Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Come on, lift him up. He's worthy. Come on, if you love him, let him know. He's worthy of all honour, all glory, all power. Amen, amen. Just stay standing just for one moment. We'll just lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this house. Come and move right now. Come and touch. Come and heal. Come and restore lives. Come and deliver right now. Come and Holy Spirit, do only what you can do right now. Begin to move right now in our midst. Come like a rushing wind. Come like a fire from heaven. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. And I believe right now, as He moves, He's healing people. Anxiety's going. Depression's leaving. Come on, sickness and pain and disease is going. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Come and move. Come and touch. Come and heal again. And and come on, church, would you give a huge shout of praise again to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. Come on, God Almighty. Oh, come on, you can do better than that if you love Him. Let Him know He is worthy. Hallelujah. 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 You may take your seats. Well, it's an absolute honour to be here today at Elevation Church. I want to thank you, Pastor Ben, for hosting me, looking after me. It's the first time I got to know you. I didn't even know you were there in Adelaide. Uh, and, and it's awesome. Sanjeev, Pastor Sanjeev, awesome to meet you. And as well, Pastor Miles, your senior pastor. Is that correct? Haven't met, but I've, I've had a few audio messages from him. and He's very inspiring. Prayed over me this morning uh, via audio text, which is, it, it was awesome. I loved it. So, I just want to thank you so much for having me here today, and I'm excited to be here. I, you know what? I believe there's a revival that's about to break out, not just in Sydney, but in our nation. And what I've seen over since, if we could say this, the best thing to come out of the pandemic was a hunger. There's there's a new there's a new fervent there's a new hunger in in the body of Christ that is desperate to see God move and I've seen it happening all across Melbourne all across Adelaide Queensland and Sydney come on who's ready Come on, who's ready? I've seen it. Spot fires breaking out in different churches, starting to see the power of God move, starting to see people healed, set free, delivered, saved. If you're hungry, come on. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I come all the way from Melbourne. Uh, Planet Shakers Church is my home church. I've got a family back there that are there right now in church. Got a wife, three kids, and uh, and and I come from uh, a family of Pentecostal Christians, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that as we go. But this morning, I want to preach to you out of the thought of the well. It is time to redig the wells. It is time to redig the wells of prayer over your life again, over this nation again. But I want to start right here, Luke eleven, Luke eleven, verse one. Uh, it says that Jesus is praying. He's out there and he's praying by himself. And the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. Why? Why are they asking this question? They've walked with Jesus. Some of them have grown up learning the, the Torah, memorizing it, young rabbis. But yet they ask this, uh, uh, this interesting question. Teach us 
how to pray. There must have been something different about his prayer. There must have been something different. You know why? I believe it's because prayer is powerful. Prayer is the thing that connects us to heaven. He goes on to even say, what does he say? He says, pray like this. Pray your kingdom come, your will be done on where? Earth as it is in heaven. So the same that's happening in heaven to believe that it's going to happen right here on earth. Where is that place? Can somebody help me? Where is that place where we experience heaven on earth? Where is it? Well, I believe it's meant to be right here in the church, in the house of God. You're standing on that ground, holy ground. This is the place that God has ordained. Come on, that heaven be felt here on earth. But if we don't pray it, if we don't believe it, we'll never see it. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is vital. It's what connects us to heaven. And and, and I want to start from the beginning, if I can, of of my life's story, my life's a bit of my journey of how it is that I'm here today, how it is that I've seen uh, countless people healed and saved. And it all starts, I I really believe, I, I was born in Adelaide. I was born at a very young age. And um, no, it'll get worse. I'm here all day. So I was born in Adelaide in a tiny country town and uh, called Adelaide. If you blink, you miss it. And I grew up there. And uh, don't hold it against me. Uh, my family is actually from Sydney. My auntie is here today, Auntie Annette. Good to see you. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so we grew up here, but they left the promised land, went to missionaries to Adelaide and I was born there and so I grew up there and I'd grown up in a Christian home my parents are pastors my mum is a pastor my dad's a pastor my sister even was a pastor at one stage uh, my, my grandfather's a pastor uh, great uh, my great uncle's a pastor all pastored churches all across Australia led uh, the the Assemblies of God movement in different states and and all this it's quite amazing like the the heritage if you trace it back it goes all the way to the Apostle Peter, which is quite amazing. How you can, it's not true at all. And, and so, I was just seeing if you're listening still. And, and so it, it's quite amazing, right? And, and so I grew up in a Christian home. And I mean, not just any Christian home. It was a Pentecostal Christian home. Has anyone grown up in church in a Christian home, right? There's a couple, I see those hands. And, and, and so growing up in a Christian home, you know, church, we have different rules. Like we have church rules. There's church rules. You grow up in church. There were certain things. There was a dress code, right? When I grew up, you couldn't have ripped jeans in church. Now I can see some people wearing ripped jeans. Praise the Lord. We're liberated, right? And, and, and so there were certain rules. Like you, you had to be quiet. You had to bring quiet toys. I, I remember this quite clearly, right? Going home after the morning service and my mother saying to me, all right, put on your pyjamas. We're going back to night service, right? And I'll, I'll be like, it's 40 degrees out. Why are we wearing our pyjamas? Because we're going to be there for a long time. It was called a tarry meeting. Who remembers those? And you turn the underneath of the pew into a makeshift bed. You'd bring quiet toys. And I remember one time getting in trouble for scribbling too loud. You know what? Uh, you'd get the look. Who remembers the look? You get the look, that look that just sends all fear into you. It just come upon you and you just knew that you were in so much trouble. And once, if the look didn't work, you get the pinch. And it wasn't a regular pinch. It was a pinch and twist. 
Some of you forgot. You forgot. And if that didn't work, you get the drag out. I remember one service, my, my sister, uh, it was my grandfather was preaching. It was probably boring. And I'm sorry, grandfather. But uh, it, it, uh, she gets the drag out mid-service. And as she's getting dragged down the aisle, she yells out at the top of her lungs, I don't want to get a smack. And we, we all knew what was going to happen. She just made it very clear. And, and so growing up, in a Christian home, I believe my mother's favourite passage was spare the rod, hate the child. <laughs> she hasn't told me that personally, but I just picked it up uh, along the way. And, and so, <laughs> so what you don't know, I, was, I grew up in a, I was the youngest of, of a family of four. And I was always beat up on and bullied by the eldest two, my parents. And so <laughs> I, I... <laughs> Like having church rules, like there was church rules that my mom had extra rules. Anyone's mom like that? You have extra rules, extra Pentecostal rules. So we we weren't allowed to be sick. It was against the rules. If my mother heard me sneeze in my bedroom, she would run to the pantry. And she would grab the olive oil and she would come back to my room and douse me in olive oil, lay hands on me, you're going to school and just kick me out the door. It would be, I'd be like, but still, you're not staying home. You're going to school. That's how I grew up. In fact, I remember one time I should have been out of bed. It was 7.01 and I heard the footsteps coming down the hallway and I knew I was in trouble for being sick. And I heard those, who remembers those footsteps? Did anyone grow up like this? Just, I, I hear stories. My friends, I'd tell them at school of my experiences and they'd be like, their mum comes to the door and knocks on it and says, oh, honey, is everything, is everything okay? And then I'm like, where did you grow up? Like, I cannot relate to this story at all. My mother believed that I was just renting for a little while. This was her house. Whatever happened in this place, you know, and she would come, I'd hit boop, 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 coming down and she wouldn't open the door, she'd kick the door, whoop, whoop, like that, it'd just go bang and open up. I remember it swinging so hard that it hit the wall and then bounced back into her face and then I'd be praying, Lord, why did you let the door hit my mother in the face? It's only going to get worse. <laughs> and she'd be like, Daniel, what are you doing in bed? And I'd be like, I'm sick, mummy. My tummy hurts. You know, you turn it, I was 28, I shouldn't have done that, but I was... <laughs> I was like, my tummy, tum-tum, are we? And she's like, what are you doing in bed? I'm like, I'm sick. She's like, well, get out of bed. Get on the ground and pray. And she made me pray, 7 a.m., speaking tongues from 7 till 3 in the afternoon until the pain left. And it did leave. Anyone grow up like this? less hands. <laughs> well, I don't know. My mum's a little bit extra, but I don't know if this has any, got anything to do with it. Her name is Karen. I'm not sure if that... <laughs> I'm not sure if, that, if that's got... I don't know. Maybe it's got everything to... I'm not sure, but if you're a Karen here today, we love you. We're praying for you. If you're a Susan too, I'll pray for you after. We love you. God bless you. It's awesome. But... That's how I grew up. I grew up with a, 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 what my parents did was instill into me a passion for the church, 
a passion for prayer, that prayer is vital, that if you want to see the victory, if you want to see the breakthrough, you must pray. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Genesis 26. I'm, I'm in my backyard uh, in 2014, and I've just gone through uh, years of hell, really. I was, I was leading a church out, out in this place called Morwell. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. That's what, or one person, that's the entire population. You're here, that's amazing. You made it out. It's incredible. And not many do. Yeah, and so it's the upside down. You get stuck there. And, and I'm in this place and I'm praying and I'm, I'm asking God. I, we, we saw 10 people pass away in less than 10 months when I took the church on. And each person I'm praying and I'm believing for their miracle. I'm believing that they'd get healed. I'm believing that they get restored and yet nothing happened. And so I'm in this place of indifference and, 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 and sadness, really heaviness, depression is glooming. I'm, I'm so sad and upset by why this isn't working. Why are my prayers falling on deaf ears? Why are people not getting healed anymore? Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you're standing in the hospital waiting rooms or beside somebody's bed just believing God. You said that this would happen, but yet it's not happening. And so why not? And God speaks to me so clearly this verse. And He says, Daniel, I want you to re-dig the wells. And I said, I, I don't know what this is, Lord. And he goes, he, he shows me, open up your word, Genesis 26, 18. It says, Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. And God speaks to me out of this passage of Scripture and says, Daniel, it is time. The wells need to be redone. And I said, what wells? He said, the wells of your fathers. I said, what fathers? And I said, my earthly fathers? I'm asking these questions. He said, no, no, no. Fathers that saw the Pentecostal movement birthed in this nation, founded it on prayer. They dug wells that are deep. But see what happens in the Scripture. It says the Philistines came and stopped them up, filled them up. This is, Philistines represent the enemy. And this is what the enemy does in your life. He stops up those avenues, those wells of prayer in your life. But you've got to redig them. If you read your commentary, it says that Isaac and his servant got on their hands and knees and redug the wells with their hands and sticks. And this is what it's like. Honestly, this is what it feels like. Having to redig wells feels like handfuls of mud. Oftentimes, rock, clay. And I'm telling you, this is what I did for years. Just kept praying, kept believing, kept seeking, kept asking, kept knocking. And I kept digging. And it feels like my nails were bent backwards. It felt like blood was coming out. It felt like painful experience. But I'm telling you that there's a cost. If you want to see revival. See, revival comes out of revelation. When you have a revelation, a fresh revelation, you got revivals birthed out of that. It's one of the seeds of revivals, fresh revelation. But it can't be sustained without a reformation. Something's got to change. I can't keep living the same way I've always lived and expect a different result. I've got to dig the wells. I've got to get on my hands and knees. And I remember praying and seeking God and asking what it is to do. What do I need to do? I need to learn how to pray again. I mean, I'd prayed, I'm a Christian, I believed. 
but yet I wasn't seeing anything. I'd sat at hospital beds asking God, will you do what you said you would do? My favourite passage of Scripture is Mark 16, the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to anybody, uh, to all creation. I love that, all creation, because it's been recently, I've been in church and I've preached to two dogs. There's been dogs in church. Like there was a puppy on the front row in a church in Queensland that I preached at. That was quite amazing. I thought, I'm living this, all creation. It's happening. It's happening, Lord. And, and so I, I love the, the flow on it. It says, but to those who believe, signs and wonders will follow you. To whom? Those who believe. These signs will follow after you. What signs? It says that you'll cast out demons. Well, all right, Lord, tell us what you really think. That's just coming out there straight out off the bat. You'll cast out demons. Does that make anyone nervous? No one. No one. Everyone's like, yeah, no, I'm fine with that. <laughs> cast out three last week. <laughs> Bring it on. You know, <laughs> this one is actually important. This one is very important. It's an establishment of kingdoms because this, this miracle was never done in the Old Testament. It's the only miracle or healing that was never done in the Old Testament. No one was ever cast out a demon in the Old Testament. This is why it's so significant. Well, they left. What did they say when, when David played the harp? The spirit would, of heaviness would leave Saul, but then it would come back. Also, Elijah said, bring me a harp player. Why? For the atmosphere, to change atmospheres, but it never delivered anybody. It only happened, Mark 1, when Jesus comes in the scene, walks into the church, he says, come out of him. And they say, where has he got such great authority? Why is this in there? Because of an establishment of kingdoms. Jesus, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, his kingdom is well above any demonic stronghold, any demonic kingdom that could ever, the kingdom of hell will not prevail. That's right. Why? Because of Jesus. Amen. So then it says, what? Then it says, you'll talk in other tongues. You'll speak in other tongues. It's coming out with all this, all the good stuff. The first two, the most controversial things in the church. Speaking in tongues, casting out demons, right? He says, you'll operate in five signs. Pick up snakes, handle snakes. You, you, will, you will take up uh, deadly substances that won't hurt you. And he says, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, I grew up to believe in this stuff. I grew up that this wasn't just a fairy tale or a story, but this was real. This was real. Come on, anybody like that? That believes in the Word. And I'm preaching this stuff. I'm believing this stuff, but yet God comes in, into my world, speaks to me and says, Daniel, you're an unbelieving believer. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. He He says to me, you're like what James describes. You're a hearer of the Word, but you're not a doer. You speak, I'm, I'm like, I'm a pastor. I've got a heritage. I've got generation. No, no, you're not stepping out by faith. When was the last time you did the word instead of just talked it? And so I'm in this place of confusion a little bit. I locked myself in the church and I remember starting to pray these prayers. Lord God, Father God, Father God, Lord God, Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, that sounds more powerful. I'm going to go with that one. And I remember God saying, hey, stop it. What are you doing? I said, I'm just entering your courts with prayer and thanksgiving. He says, no, when are you going to ask me for something? 
And I remember being in that place trying to pray for for hours, setting my clock, setting my watch for hours. And and in the first 30 seconds, I'm already distracted by my phone. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? I'm more concerned about whether a blowfly can exit out this door or not. Why won't it just go through? I mean, it's clearly there. Why why does it keep going into the wall? And then I ever prayed like this and then you're starting to repent because being completely distracted this whole time. And so I'm, I, I'm, I, it's, I find that quite interesting. But when Netflix is on, we get no interruptions. <laughs> we can watch episode after episode after episode. We can binge watch it and nothing will distract us. Hello. It's gotten quiet. <laughs> Everyone's got a Netflix subscription here, obviously. <laughs> And so, <laughs> and so I'm praying, God, would you, he said, ask me for something. I said, Lord, I don't know what to ask for. I begin to ask that people fill the church. Lord, would you fill the empty seats? I start getting clever. Like I'd never seen an empty seat get healed. I'd never seen one, you know, leg get delivered or broken leg get healed. I saw one get baptised, but we had to throw it out. That's another story. <laughs> but... I'm like, Lord, like, and he said, son, I can take you around the world and show you millions of people that are praying for people that they fill their churches, fill their home groups, fill, fill, fill their youth groups, fill their whatever ministries. He says, when are you going to ask that my power fills the church? I remember falling to my knees and crying, Lord, I want to see your power. I want to see just even the training of your robe, which means the hem of his garment, just fill the temple again fill the place. Come on, somebody. We need to redig the wells. And what happened out of that was completely miraculous. After years, I prayed for my niece, it was, who had eczema. She got healed three days later. Then I went to another service and prayed for a boy, broke his arm at football training. He came and uh, to youth on a Friday. I was there and I prayed for him. He got completely healed. And it was quite amazing because he said, oh, I can move it. And he starts doing push-ups. He starts doing air guitar. He starts doing everything. And then the youth leaders all gathered around and said, cut off the cast, cut off the cast. And I was like, no, I don't want a lawsuit. I don't want OH&S. I can just imagine him cutting it off and the thing dropping. And I'm like, no, don't. Go see a doctor. He goes to see the doctor, gets an x-ray. They cut off the cast because it's healed. He plays football on that Saturday. And then it goes on. One thing after another, soccer injury. Broken arms, all these things started getting healed. It was just incredible what God was doing. Unbelievable things that you just think, oh, oh my goodness. Like a 22-year-old heart, severe heart disease and condition gets healed instantly on the spot. A lady that's taking medication, medication, has a travel ban. It was quite amazing because she'd never been able to travel for 22 years. She gets healed uh, in March 2020. She can finally travel. (laughs) It was a test. (laughs) But unbelievable stuff. I was in America a couple of weeks ago and uh, saw a young girl get her hearing back for the first time in her right ear. She was born deaf in one ear. Unbelievable stuff keeps happening because of prayer. Let's have a look at the realms of prayer for a moment. Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 7, it says here, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock 
and it will be open to you. These thoughts this morning are the realms of prayer. This is, this is so vital for us as believers that we must redig the wells of prayer. We must, if we want to see signs and wonders follow us. Come on, church. It is time that we devoted ourselves to this. And the first thought to today is ask. Ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. I've heard about people just praying on the inside or praising on the inside. You know what? It's impossible. You've got to declare it. You've got to make it audible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. How are you going to hear the Word of the Lord if you never quote Scripture over your life, if you never declare the Bible, if you never speak the truth? Come on, it comes by hearing. You've got to speak it, right? Make it audible over your life. Ask, ask, ask and it will be given to you, right? Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. You've got to speak it out. Here's what I liken it to. The outer court of the temple. Solomon's temple, you're familiar with it, right? On the outside had an outer court. And when you walk into that outer court, you had wash bowls. And people would come and they would wash again. They would ask for forgiveness again would ask for atonement again they'd bring a sacrifice in in accordance with their sin and put it on the sacrificial altar that was outside and burn that sacrifice God speaks to me and says you know what this is like the realm of ask so many Christians live in this realm and never graduate beyond it they ask and they ask again they keep asking they've been asking for 30 years the same thing They've been asking for 40 years. Some of us never seen an answer. Never had any prayer answered because why? They never moved beyond the realm of ask. Asking is vital, but don't live there. You can't just stay there, stay put there forever. You've got to move on beyond this realm. Asking's vital, but there's so much more for you. There's so much more for you. And what happens next? Seek. I liken this to the holy place, going inside of the temple, inside of the tabernacle is the holy place. And in this realm of prayer, everything changes. Everything changes. If you're a worshipper here today, you'd understand that realm because it's very powerful, right? You start to cry more. You start to hear more and ask less. You start to hear what God wants for your life. If you're familiar with it, inside there is the menorah. It's, it's the lampstand. You've got the showbread to your right. It speaks of God's provision. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. It's not just speaking about financial gain, but he's saying, I'm the provider of the ram in the thicket. That's where the origins come from. I provided a way out. I provided Jesus for you, right? So this is what it's about. It's provision for you. There's the lampstand. And, the, and that lamp has to be lit. It has to be filled with oil. That was the priest's job. He's, he's also, his other job was to carry one of the coals from the fire. If you, if you know your Bible in Leviticus, it says that out of his presence came fire and lit the altar. So not to be lit by a man's hand. And so that fire then must be carried inside into the golden laid incense altar at the front. Here's something for you. Each and every single one of us, you've been called to carry the fire. 
carry the fire. Carry the fire into this generation. Come on, carry the fire of revival into, into this region, into Sydney. Come on, into the western suburbs. Carry the fire. You've been called to carry the fire. It's time to pick it up. Your life changes when you carry fire. I don't know about you, but I cook over fire all the time with hot coals. And I've had to get these elongated tongs because my hands burn. And then all up my arm, I get singed hair. And, and if I ever have to transport one of these coals to another place or to another fire, you know what? You, your posture changes, right? It's very hot. You have to walk differently. You have to talk differently. I tell my kids, well, watch out, watch out, watch out. I'm carrying the fire, I'm carrying a fire. I've got the hot coals, you know. It, 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 you, everything about you, you walk differently, more cautiously. Your life changes when you carry the fire. This is what happens in this realm. Everything changes. Isaiah 40 says, Even the youth shall faint, be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew what? Their strength, right? Doesn't come from good life 24-7 gym. It comes from waiting on the Lord. Where does strength come from? Waiting on the Lord. That word wait, you know, I always think of a fancy restaurant when some, a waiter comes and waits upon you and asks you for all the different things that you want. And the first thing they always, they always ask is, what sort of water do you want? We've got a, a variety now. Have you noticed? You know, they ask, do you want still? You're like, mm. <laughs> you want sparkling? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Spark you know, what, what is with sparkling? We all love sparkling now all of a sudden. Sparkling. Have you ever been asked for tap water and everyone's face twists up like, oh, no, I would never let tap water pass these lips. <laughs> and then after we eat the saltiest meal, what do we do? We run home, go under the tap, <laughs> right? Same water. And, and, and so they wait upon you with service. This word wait is, is, is an active use of this word. It's not just sitting around at home, twiddling your thumbs, playing Warzone, wondering, one day, will I get my call up? One day, will God use me? You know, that word is actually called quava in Hebrew, in Aramaic. Quava means to anticipate the arrival. I don't know, is there any dog people here? It's one or two. Have you ever seen your dog or seen a dog waiting for the owner to come home, right? With anticipation. You know, they get so excited. The, the day starts at like probably 12, right, p.m. And they, and they start waiting. Will owner come home? Will owner come home? And they go from one, one gate to the next, one window to the next. Have you seen one of those dogs where they pop up and they're like looking? And those ones that are really springy and they go over the whole fence, like a six foot fence, they go up and over and they're like, is that owner? Is that owner? Is that owner? And they run and they hear something and they go back and they run around, check all the doors, check all the windows and it's just the posty. And they go, oh, it's not owner. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. And they do this all day until owner gets home. And when owner gets home, it's like, oh my goodness, I missed you so much. I can't live another day without you. And they're, they're all like, that's called quava. It's anticipating someone's arrival. That's what that word means, to wait upon the Lord. Is He coming yet? Is it happening today? I can't believe it, but I want to be in His presence. That's what it means. Come on, church. Seek Him. And then it says here, 
Ask, knock, ask, seek, knock, knock is the holy of holies. You know what I actually call this? It's not just the realm of knock, it's the realm of agreement. Something changes in your life, in your prayer life, when you begin to agree with your heavenly father. What does Jesus say? I only do what I see my father do in heaven. And what was that? Heal the sick. There's a scripture that says he healed all. There's one scripture that says it's got two or three alls in it. All who was lame, all who were sick, all who were diseased. All. In the Greek, all means all. It means everything. I only do what I see my father do. And what is that? Heal all the sick. Some of, so many people come to me and say, I'm not sure God wants to heal me today. I'm not sure if that's His will. Oh my goodness. Have you not read the Word? It's His will. Jesus was the living, breathing will in action on earth. He was the Word made flesh. That's why He was here, to show us who? God. And also to show us us, who we can be with a life with Him. He doesn't just want to heal you today. He wants to use you for healing. He wants, come on, some, you should have got more excited about that. He wants you to carry the fire everywhere you go. Administer healing, bring healing to the sick. Amen. Amen. Something changes in your prayer life. The Holy of Holies. They would say that when you go through the veil, that a puff of that incense would go with you. Psalm 141 says your prayers are like incense. That's your worship. And it pushes through the veil, goes with you into that place, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where His presence is. And this, in this place, come on, He wants you to agree with Him again. Stop living this lie of that I'm sick all the time, that I'm tired all the time. I, I, I can barely get out of bed because of my back. And you know how it gets this time of year. Have you heard people talk like this? I remember being in Morwell and praying for people and they wouldn't come forward because if they got healed, they would lose their disability pension. That just gives you a taste of Morwell for you. They would come to me, oh, no, sorry, Pastor. I don't want to get prayed for today. No, you don't have people talk like that, do you? That whinge and complain all the time. Oh, no, I can't. I can't even go to Coles anymore. They don't have enough trolley wipes. And, and you know, they just go on and on about, oh, and this time of year with this season and the, and the pollen count. Have you seen the pollen count? Should be putting masks back on. You know, they start, compl- it's, nothing's ever good enough. When they go home, it's even worse. Oh, the kids and, the, and oh, don't get me on my spouse. And you wonder why. You wonder why. The Bible says you will have whatever you say. Life and death is in the tongue. Some of us have given the devil a day off by all the disease and destruction that we declare over our lives. We know more about the bottle of medication on the back than the Scripture in the Bible. It is time. Come on, to start declaring. I am healed. I am whole. Come on, I'm not going to live this way again. I'm not going to live in pain. I'm not going to live in suffering. I believe. I believe. Come on, somebody. Won't we stand to our feet right now? All across.